0: For the drive with mark ennis presented by fitness market on 93.9 the ville fitness market is louisville's premier location for home and commercial fitness equipment and electric bikes find them online at the
1: fitnessmarket.com now here's mark ennis and tyler griever welcome into the drive here on 93.9 the ville, mark ennis tyler griever enjoying the unseasonably uh warm weather i'm invigorated by this tyler how are you it's
2: great man it's like a four mile walk today just around like uh nulu and waterfront park and it's I, I just love being able to step outside and and do that but it just gives you that little taste of spring and you just want spring like that much quicker when you get a little taste of this kind of weather
1: i love it i'm ready for spring
2: Every, I, well, spring here especially because we have so much fun stuff that goes on in the spring here, whether it's uh, Derby. In a typical year, we'd be excited about some, some tournament stuff with college basketball. But uh, in general, I, I feel like life just kind of picks up a little bit uh, around here when you start anticipating Derby and everything that comes with it and, and Thunder and the festivals and stuff. So, yeah, no, the, the, the more we can speed up and get there, the, the better. I think I'm with everybody else, uh,
1: fighting this never-ending, uh, conflicted feeling of wanting to hurry up and get to football season, <laughs> but also not wanting to miss all of that time with uh, with some warmer weather and everything that comes with the summer. So
2: Yeah, and plus, battling. even though like obviously Louisville Hoops isn't going to be a factor in, in postseason basketball, like it, it's so wide open to me right now, even when I watch just around the country of i can't really pin a favorite honestly if if you forced me to pick one i i'd probably go with kansas because uh they're the best team in the best league in the country and the defending national champs and they look just as tough uh as they were last year and but i, I still don't view them as like a clear cut, no doubt about it favorite like yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's like groups of teams i think that can win it this year so uh some that are Obviously dealing with some things that are pretty um, unprecedented off, off the court right now when, when you look at what's going on with Alabama and Nate Oates and Brandon Miller and that whole yeah. situation as well. Uh, and if that develops at all leading into the tournament, that will be the most intriguing storyline in college basketball, will continue to be. Uh, but in terms of strictly on the court, I, I don't view anyone as a clear-cut favorite right now.
1: No, that's all. ultimately the, what you're talking about here and I think in the ACC at
2: a more local level is
1: – Way more uh, adds, I think, to the like the frustration, and kind of the the agony of this year being as bad as it's been on the men's side, is that it's it's as wide open as it'll ever be. Oh yeah, and absolutely. Especially in the ACC, the top is not the what the norm, the normal top of the ACC looks like. Uh, it's it's not sort of chalked full of teams that you'd want nothing to do with in the first round of the NCAA tournament or something like that. Like the opportunity was actually here for for a hell of a year.
2: Yeah. And yep.
1: you've done just the opposite
2: Well yeah, I mean the, the, the Blue Bloods aren't as, I, I would say the, the one usual suspect who Who is good but really is not even I don't think great with some recent results Is Virginia, like Virginia's a good team But uh, they've had some struggles Recently, lost Boston College uh, I, now, well, Let me ask you real quickly Yeah
1: uh, Because you mentioned Virginia and, like, and, and I would be willing to bet you Any amount of money Very, very, very few people really believe in them mm-hmm. You know, come tournament time and in the past, I have had either coaches or, or just schools that I've just when it comes to tournament time, not a believer. Mm-hmm. And for a long time, Virginia was one of them. Georgetown under John Thompson the third, I was like, "Their first two rounds, it doesn't matter." Like they're going, yep. and then I was almost always right. And I was just kind of curious if you've got any of those where you just skip Stan Heath, sorry, like you got coaches you just don't believe in come tournament time. Oh
2: yeah, uh, I think Rick Barnes is one. And Ooh. then I'm wondering where you have Virginia at. Uh, Rick Barnes, I think, is 25 and, and 26 all time that's in the tournament. That's a great call. Yeah, I had to go back and, and look that up the other night. That's why I think I texted you that I didn't know he was a Lenore Ryan grad <laughs> <laughs> until I saw that. I was like, that's crazy. Uh, we no, talked more about Lenore Ryan this year. I said, yeah, than I don't even know if I was pronouncing right, I just said. Basketball. It. Uh, so that's the first one that comes to mind. I think Purdue's another one. You know, uh, Purdue's fooled me a couple times where uh, I've picked them to make deep runs in the tournament, and I always get burned by it. I have friends who either went to Purdue or grew up Purdue fans, and they you know, they say the same thing. That's like a cautious optimism because they have a, a very good team again this year. But can you convince yourself that they're going to make that one run that they haven't been able to make? Uh, would I put Virginia in that class? No, not really, because I, I think they broke through it, obviously a couple of years ago by winning it all, and uh, you know Tony Bennett obviously is probably one of the better coaches in college basketball. Uh, they have a very smart, experienced team that you know in tournament games. I feel like they're not going to lose games as much as you are going to have to beat them, if that makes sense. like You you will have to either get them to play a couple undisciplined minutes or just get out of character for a little bit if you're going to beat them. Uh, But you always get worried about a team getting extremely hot and, and just shooting the lights out and can they keep up with it but i think they they've earned a little bit out of that discussion compared to some of the others i just mentioned
1: yeah if you're a skeptic of virginia by the way last night did not help at all they got dog oh, yeah. walked
2: by bc uh, and
1: bc is one of those schools that's going to i think their improvement is going to be one of those that's going to be held up as yeah as yeah. an as something that sort of condemns the way things have gone at Louisville. But I, I'm going to maintain what I've said, I think, with you and others multiple times over the last week or so. The the teams in the ACC that get things turned around to whatever extent that they do mm-hmm. are all good for forcing Louisville to dis- decide what they think about Kenny one way or the other.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it, it definitely adds some pressure. I think BC's one of those teams that's, that's gotten a, a good Pitt. bit better over the course of this year, Pitt, uh, even though Jeff Capel's some of his stuff recently about, you know, barking back defending the ACC. I'm like, Hey man, look, it's a down year. It's fine. Like it's fine to call it how it is. And I know we've had people text into this show okay, before.
1: Let's let's, it, let's, let's go there for just a moment. Yeah. I don't understand where this is coming from, mm-hmm. but I'm, it's never to me. It never seems like a good thing. The ACC coach is now all kind of up in arms about the way the league gets talked about. Yeah. To me, This is loser talk. Like I'm (laughs) I'm dead serious about this. This is loser talk. Because you know who used to do this all the time? The SEC. And you'd get on the preseason SEC coaches teleconference or whatever, and they would just be like, five guys you knew were about to get fired. And then Calipari would come on, and he'd be like, this league is great. We're going to get eight teams in or nine teams in this year. This is a fantastic league. You guys don't give us enough credit. And it was never true. And he knew it, and we knew it, and they knew it, and everybody knew it. And you know what they don't do anymore? That. Yeah, because
2: they're good. Because they're good. Exactly. They hired good coaches, and they've
1: invested in it, and they're good. And so, for me, like to hear Capel and uh, Steve Forbes last night, at least he kind of blamed the coaches themselves for doing it. What What did he say? Well, just basically like we need to change the way we talk about the ACC. Guess what? It doesn't matter how you talk about the ACC at all. I I was about to say. I
2: mean, like I, I, I truly. So, if some of you missed this, like Jeff Capel was comparing the way the ACC network talks about the ACC to the way the Big Ten network talks about the Big Ten and the way it's hyped up and things like that. I, I truly just don't believe what gets put out on either of those networks is really influencing anybody's belief or perception of the actual quality of play uh, of the leagues. I think people, most people are smart enough to watch the games and see it for themselves. You know when I look at the ACC right now, I know I just said I, I wouldn't put Virginia in that that group that you mentioned, but like I look at the ACC and there's really one team I think I'm intrigued by to say okay I can maybe see them doing something in March. Miami, I think, M- Miami, yeah, yeah it's same. Miami because they have uh, dynamic guard play. Uh, they have the I think they have the the overall collection of talent that can win you some games in March and a coach who has done it before uh, at a much more difficult place. To make a run, but there's nobody else in the conference right now that I see that could really be, quote unquote, dangerous uh, in the tournament. Uh, So now I I, I've just been a little taken aback by it because, first of all, the ACC is not used to being in this type of discussion. Usually you assume the ACC is good basketball conference and is going to have the the big dogs in there. This is one of those rare years where it's not happening and they got to bounce back next year.
1: Yeah, I just to me this is a warning sign when coaches are doing this. Uh th- that never works. Nope. It, it does not address the issue. Uh, and it it also reeks of blame shifting. The, the you know the perception oh, of the league is, is, is out there when the truth is we need we need Hubert Davis to do a lot better job. You know, yeah. we need Duke to stay healthy. We need well Virginia's doing its part. You know, we need Leonard Hamilton to not be losing games by forty. We need Louisville to not be losing games by forty.
2: Well, I was about to say, we I need Syracuse
1: I, to not just be like a drift up in Canada.
2: I think it's a deflection of the overall like the quality of coaching right now in the ACC, and that was something that previously you could take for granted. Y- yeah, like now, I'm, and and that's natural, right? Like sports is cyclical, when like when yeah. when legends move on, like look, when you lose Mike Shostevsky and Roy Williams, you ain't and Rick yeah, and Rick Pitino. You're not immediately replacing three guys like that. And if you do, honestly, you could still have good coaches fill those roles. And you still feel like you're being left a little bit because you can be a good coach and just not be as good as three of the best to literally ever do it. Uh, now, I know Beheim's still around, but I've, I I think my feelings on Jim Beheim are pretty well known at this point. Jim Beheim seems more concerned with... Uh, yelling at the cloud outside than he actually does coaching basketball majority of the time. Which be saying that now guarantees. Congrats, Syracuse! You will be in the elite eight because you find weird ways to do this stuff. He, he's all he the has time.
1: lived and coached long enough to do. The only thing that motivates him now is spite. Literally, Th- that's it. He's so, he just seems
2: so unhappy. I agree all the time, but and, he also and seems don't like one of the. It.
1: No, it's like he's been. Uh, condemned to this like he can't get out yeah you know, that's how he, he seems like he like I would, I would look i don't want to be doing this but there's so many what times else am I gonna do
2: where i just want to be like jim like you get paid millions to to coach basketball your name's on the court they're never like gonna fire you at syracuse why are you he's unique in my life of people who survived wrong? a succession plan like let's talk what's wrong do you know how hard that is to do yes I I don't understand it, but but the original point remains: the overall lack of quality coaching in the league right now is is just noticeable, and there's there's no getting around it. And that's why, you know, the old deflection of oh the media doesn't hype us up, or the media is too harsh on us, yeah, it usually doesn't hold weight because you're just not holding up your end of the bargain in all of this. So, uh, I, I tweeted a couple days ago that when Jeff was talking about the ACC network, like he's a, he doesn't want coverage, he just wants promotion. That's what it is, and. A conference network, I guess, you know, that's part of the gig. I get it, but folks on that network should be able to just call it how it is and and have no problem doing it, and that's what you have to do with the ACC this year.
1: Now, I hope that Josh Hurd takes the first 15 minutes of what we just talked about, Mm -hmm. and when the season's over, he and Kenny can sit down in the office together, play it, and then agree or Josh can make it clear. How about on February 23rd, Kenny, we need to make sure this is not the most interesting thing for these guys to be talking about (laughs) on February 23rd anymore, and I'm dead, dead serious about this. It's it's true. I can't – we are too far removed, we are too far away from Louisville being in these postseason discussions – from fans sort of getting to experience the tension that is sort of living and dying with win or go home, yeah. you know, postseason basketball, both in the ACC tournament and in the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, if, as a Louisville fan, not only did you get, you know, Rick and all of the time with the NCAA tournament w- with runs to the Final Four and the Elite Eight regularly in a national championship, of course, but those Big East tournament performances and Conference USA for the time before that, but the Big East tournament runs, all of those different Big East tournament runs, that's awesome. Well, those but, are and Louisville's not made it even remotely close to that in the I,
2: ACC tournament. I would actually be interested to see if we, if we just went to college basketball fans, like not Louisville fans, and asked them to say, "All right, you, you've probably watched, you don't watch as much Louisville as like Louisville fans do, but just from a general standpoint, what are the Louisville games that come to mind for you over the past, you know, fifteen, ten to fifteen years, something like that? How many conference tournament games would make that list?" as opposed to NCAA tournament games or whatever, because Louisville has some classics in the conference tournaments over the years. So no, it's been a great stage uh, for them. And uh, I'm a little intrigued to see how this team will view the, the conference tournament and how they want to try uh, to approach it coming forward. Like obviously publicly, they're, they're going to give the same lines about how anything can happen and you can bear all that stuff. But uh First, I want to see if Emmanuel Correfour can get back on the court. Uh, suffered an ankle injury in practice, has missed the last two games. And Kenny's made it clear that he wants to see him and Huntley Hatfield out there together. Uh, how is that going to play? And if he wants to see more of that, how do you balance it with the emergence of J.J. Trainer and how much better he's gotten? Uh, because you and I have talked about this before. I think he's, I think he's the most trustworthy player front court player they have this year he's turned into that he's blocking shots dunking around the rim using his length like he's giving you something and just quite frankly nobody else in the front court really is right now
1: texture says if the acc tournament started today we have an ideal run to the championship game
2: i think we win it all right hey (laughs) nice weather's got somebody feeling if i
1: told you everyone's in a good mood uh here look I I am totally fine with drawing encouragement from the how well Louisville's played against the top of the ACC by and large. Yeah, the last month or so mentioned yesterday. If you you know get on Bart Torvik or whatever, you, know, you limit it to February. Louisville's is actually one of the in the top 25ish or so in the country in all, on offense, offensively. They've been shooting better and they've been getting better shots. They've turned yep. the ball over a little bit less. They're rebounding far better than they did at the beginning of the year. Like some things are starting to come together. They're on an ounce better on the defensive end. That's the biggest problem for me and it's the one nagging thing that like if if everyone was a percentage of keep Kenny, get rid of Kenny. Yeah. There are the hundreds and the zeros, but everyone's some sort of mixture. The piece of me that's like, you know, if they made a change after this year, I think I would understand, is the fact that they don't defend a lick, and that number hasn't changed at all. We spent the whole, we've yeah. spent so much of the year saying, like, nothing's gotten better at all. It's Kenny's biggest problem. Well, on offense, they've gotten a lot better. But on defense, they're the same.
2: It, and it, defense, to me, is always the effort thing. Well, it's frustrating because I think you do see stretches of games where they are, defending well and defending well enough to like okay they're showing some improvement like you go back uh to the first half uh, against Virginia and I thought they defended very well in that game but it's just lacked and uh, again I hate to harp on the bigs but that's what comes to mind for me I just think there there are some miscommunications down there uh between those guys no matter what combinations we're talking about that allow easy dunks, easy layups. There's not a lot of blocked shots. It doesn't feel like there's a lot of contesting uh, going on from any of those guys. And I understand Huntley Hatfield's kind of working his way back from the injury. Who knows how ready he really feels, even though it seems like they took a pretty conservative conservative approach with him in recovery. They didn't rush him back. Uh, But, you know, there's no way to go about this without, again, coming back to the biggest disappointment of this season and that is Sydney Curry just not really giving you anything and there's no there's no way to sugarcoat that. Uh I don't think anybody even if you were low on him coming into the season, you never would have guessed that he would just have close to zero impact on this team on either end of the four cuz even when he was having an impact last year, I don't think he was like a a crazy good shot blocker or something like that. So they don't have like an imposing presence down there to to really help them on defense at all. All right, we're going to take a quick break here.
1: When we come back, as many of you are aware, uh, Matt Norlander uh, sat down with Rick Pitino at at Iona and discussed pretty frankly, I think, uh, where Rick is in his career and what's, what's on the horizon for him. So we're going to talk with uh, Matt Norlander about That piece and some some general college basketball storylines. On the other side here, Elliot Mattingly right after that. On the drive on I Thunderville. Be right back. Metro College is a program that helps students pay for tuition, and I didn't believe it. You have to work third shift, five days a week. It's a great and rewarding thing when you graduate. I would do it all over again just like I just did.
0: You know those buddies who magically become medical professionals when you're not at the top of your game? The ones who say, Come on, muscle through it. But then also say, Hey, you should probably see my specialist. Or surgery or pain meds. It's almost always false, false, and false. Athletico's physical therapists, the same therapists who work with professional athletes, can tackle those little aches and pains from the start, before they become big ones. So next time, don't believe everything you hear. Instead, start with Athletico. Schedule your free assessment at athletico.com. You're listening to The Drive, presented by Fitness Market, right here on 93.9 The
1: Ville. Now, here's Mark Ennis and Tyler Griever. Welcome back into The Drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Ennis, Tyler Griever. We mentioned before the break, Matt Norlander has a piece uh, in which he talked with uh, with Rick Pitino about his future and some other college basketball stuff we wanted to get into with him. And he joins us here. Matt, how are you, buddy? This is like the best time of year, right? Are you trying to like get ready for postseason just mainlining all this postseason basketball
3: uh yeah i mean we're pretty much there i think the average fan is like all right it's about like a week and a half away i mean for my intents and purposes and yours like it's it's basically here i mean we're we're getting to the point like carolina's playing in or out games and bubble stuff so i do love it but it's busier than ever but no complaints from me all
1: right you got to sit down with with rick patino and i, I read it and i just i could just hear every word you know just, just so you, <laughs> i could just hear every single thing you said but uh, maybe like a the biggest takeaway from him for you, like what, anything that stuck out perhaps above everything else that he had to say there uh, about whatever his future might be.
3: Sure. So just a quick backdrop to this is that I live about 50 minutes, five zero north of where Iona is. And a couple of weeks ago, really three weeks ago, I got to thinking, you know, I wonder just how... How's Rick Patino enjoying his life right now? He's got a good team, um, but they're in the MAC. Like you know, it's obscurity now. Like there's maybe one or two games in November, December that, that make a mark because they play a, a big team or whatever. But you know, how's he doing? So that's what prompted this, and he did agree to to sit down to an interview, uh, literally on a game day, and and say, you know, if you want to come in, hang in the locker room, pregame, postgame, all that good stuff, you're welcome to do it. So of course, as a reporter, I'm going to take that. And so my biggest takeaway, and there are many. <laughs> um, I really didn't know how long he wanted to do this and I did I did push him. Like on a couple of like I, the answer was he's wants to coach at least five or six more years and and that was probably after the third time we got to talking about just how he's enjoying this and his age and, and if he can handle the rigors of, of a one bid league and, and the bus travel and that's when he got to talking about actually I'd rather that's part of the story, but he went on about like I actually for me my body, the bus stuff is better. Like it, the idea that I would have to travel commercial um, if I was in a different mid-major league, he's like I could do it, but it would be terrible on my body, and I don't know if I'd have the same timeline. So actually, the fact that in the MAC, almost every single road game is a bus, uh, a charter bus. You know, some of these rides are long, but he actually he much prefers that getting back, and uh, and it's helped him overall. So I think the biggest takeaway for me really is the timeline that he sees himself on. He's seventy, and if he has control over it, he will be coaching until he's at least seventy-five.
1: Uh, Matt, in talking with him, we uh, Tyler and I were talking a little bit earlier about the ACC and the fact that you're suffering you know, some real coach drain with with Coach K. Roy, Rick Pitino gone like right away uh, after Louisville joined uh, the ACC, and the, there's a big time coaching drain. And two of those guys got out of the game at, at right around where Rick Pitino is age wise, and he seems a million times more energetic than either of those guys. How is uh, in your opinion, Like, how is Rick Pitino sort of more dialed in? seeming to have more energy at a time where some of these guys are like, ah, the game's changing, I'm getting out.
3: thought about this very thing. I thought about even writing it as part of the story, but I'm going to wait and basically see, frankly, a little view into, into how I might write. If he does wind up taking another job, that's going to be the idea of the column is we've had a lot of these old guard guys step away from the game. And here it's actually a, it's an important thing for college basketball, even if Patino is a controversial figure and, and will remain that regardless of, uh, of what the IRP ruled back at the start of the season. Uh, it's good that there is a big-time Hall of Fame coach that still wants to keep doing this. Uh, it's yeah. not what's going to sustain the sport, but it's actually a very, very beneficial thing to college basketball um, that he is still around. because He could very easily not be coaching right now. Uh, the reason why I think that he is still so energized by this is, yes, there is the, the nature of getting the one more shot. Because he was literally willing to move halfway across the world in order to keep coaching. He is an addict for it. Yeah. He would tell you that it is, it is a major factor with this. Um, I understand how some people view Rick Pertino and I'm not even going to push back on some of the impressions and assumptions that are made about his reputation and and how he's like he's slick with a quote. He is. He but he you know he is a, he's a master of the craft and he knows how to give a good quote and he knows what he's saying and that's mm-hmm. why I was sure when I talked with him to make sure that if he was going to say he was couldn't see himself leaving Iona. I made sure that I got him on the record speaking. No, but we both know what's going on here. Like you have been cleared and you will be a candidate. So under what circumstances would you leave? He has an appreciation for the fact that in March of 2020, when his name was toxic, uh, the president of Iona did all of his due diligence and all of his background checks, and did everything that he needed to do. And he flew; he took a transatlantic flight. They met in Madrid. Patino. This is also not in the story, but Patino went into that meeting. Not he was like, I'm not. He only took the meeting because one of Patino's closest friends. Uh, said, I need you to take this meeting. This guy has done all of this, and I need you just to go sit down with him. So Patino goes into that meeting uh, pretty convinced that he is not going to take the job. He's not going to take it under any circumstances, but he's going to entertain it, and this is right as like COVID's really, really almost starting to hit here. Like, it's days away from shutting down the NCAA tournament and all this stuff, and so he he offers them the job because the president basically is like, you don't have to explain a thing to me. We're offering you the job. It's because the ABCD and, and, and Patino was ready for like 25 minutes of just holding court explaining why he didn't do any of that stuff because he didn't need to. And getting this opportunity at Iona and basically being able to succeed at this level has given him a lot of optimism about like, I still got it. And the fact that he's even like, it sounds weird. But, you know, he was at Louisville forever, and then he was at Kentucky, and the Providence is a Big East program. Like, he hadn't coached at this level in 40-plus years, and that he was able to step into it. And it hasn't been easy. He's had COVID four times. You know, they they got knocked out of the tournament last year when they won the league by three games, and they they made the run in the, to the tournament the year before, and Iona was like the trendy 15-over-two pick when they played Alabama. So it's not been, like, smooth, smooth, but – he's he's good with the state of college athletics right now. Even with, like, NIL and all that, like, he has his actual issues. Like, we talked about so many other things that just weren't going to fit in this particular story and might at another time. But, you know, he's he's not exactly – like, he's fine with NIL, but he's got his issues with it like every other one. But it is an, it is interesting to see, guys, just how – how much more time he, he really wants to spend around this game. And I do think that there is a decent, decent chance he doesn't leave Iona. Obviously that will be on the table. If a school comes hot and heavy for him, offers him a big deal and has the right circumstances, he's going to take that job. But, man, oh, man, I, he, uh, he does feel like there's a lot there at that school. And the fact that he, like, he lives eight minutes away, he knows the area, it's not complicated, he's got a good deal. I could see it going either way. And if he doesn't take a job this year, like he'll still be courted again next year whenever other big jobs open.
2: Matt, this is not my bigger question, but but as a reporter who can appreciate the value of a good quote that you <laughs> mentioned that Rick is so good at giving, quote, I know the devil here. Sometimes people don't know the devil, unquote. Man, that's a help. That is a that is a get, my friend has. It,
3: it, not, okay, and so real quick on that one. I knew I had to get that in. He actually then... I'll really take you behind the scenes. He then went off record on a few different items, which he was. Which uh, one thing that as a reporter I just knew about on a national level that I didn't think he knew, and I was like, "What in the world? Like, how did you know that?" Um, so he was getting into a few other matters, but thankfully, before he cut off his train of thought, he did give me that quote um, on the record because then he he was explaining a bit more why he was coming to that in an off record capacity. But yeah. yeah, sometimes people don't know the devil, and what he's getting with that is. He, everyone at Iona, everyone that matters to the Iona athletic department uh, that's in a position of influence, right, uh, he knows all of these people, and it is set up for him to thrive. It is his program, and yeah, he's working like hell to raise money and do all of this, but... He's there. He's in year three. There are no real problems. And, yes, he carries a lot of power and influence. There's just no doubt about that. He does not know. And I do think this is a very important piece of context here because it's valid, not just from Patino's side, but I hear it from coaches frequently. He does not know what he doesn't know. You will have coaches. I know coaches right now that are in spots that they're generally pretty happy, but privately have told me, Six months into taking a job that they were enthusiastic about, you just realize, ah, oh, 15 to 20% of this job, they just didn't tell me it was going to be this. And you know what? That's what they get paid for. I'm not here for their their laments or whatever. But it doesn't stop the fact that, yes, there are a lot of things that can go into these. So Patino is particularly particular about, if I'm going to do this, like, I'm going to need to know everything because I'm not saying I don't want the challenges, that there won't be challenges there, but I don't want to look up in a year and be like, I just don't like my life now compared to what it was at Iona. So that's more of the, sometimes people don't know the devil. They don't know really, you know, what's behind all of the doors and under all of the carpets and all of the rugs there. And so that's why he is, uh, he has leverage, which as I point out in the story has not been the case for about 10 years. It really, if you really look at Patino's career when he was at the tail end of Louisville, even before that with all of the, the sagas and everything that went along with it, and then, you know, he had to go to Greece. He he now is operating from a position of leverage, and when he says he has five or six years left in him, to me, that sets up one of the more intriguing plot lines in the
2: sport over the next three to six weeks. That kind of leads into my larger question, Matt, is that everybody knows what Rick brings to the table as an X's and O's Good guy. and bad. He's, he, he's yeah. one of the, the best to ever do it. Is he viewed, or how is he viewed now, in the college basketball coaching world in terms of that, the the risk versus reward weighing you have to do with all of the baggage he's had in the past, but all of the success after being away from this for a period of time?
3: Um, if Rick Pitino went to a high major school, and whether that was Georgetown, St. John's, i just bring those two names up specifically because right. they're, Georgetown in particular is expected to open St. John's Field's 50-50, some might tell you 60-40, some might even tell you 70-30, that it will open. But just those are two biggie schools. Or just insert a power conference school in a spot elsewhere. can't be Big Ten. He's told me, never go. That's another. <laughs> God, got to love that guy. We'll not be coaching in the Big Ten because one Big Ten school fired Richard Petino, That would be Minnesota. So I am sorry, uh, Illinois, or I'm sorry, Ohio State. You're never getting Pitino. <laughs> like, whatever. <laughs> um, so I, I say that to say. If Patino gets any one of those jobs, um, the opposing coaches in the league are not going to be enthusiastic over this plot development. They are not. uh, He is very much respected, revered, and feared for his ability as a head coach. Um, His ability to recruit will be interesting if he actually winds up leaving, if that does happen. Um, That will be something to consider. He'll probably get some really, really good players, but uh, the staff he surrounds himself with will also be crucial and critical. Uh, There still some in the profession that – You know, maybe not look at him in the rosiest way. I think that's there. But to be honest, man, as we reflect on what the day was like in your city in late (laughs) September of 2017 to where we are now in late February of 2023, and all that has transpired, both with that case and the transfer portal and the NIL era in college sports, many of the things that were stuck to Tino, while there are still some things that, frankly, um, he deserves to have uh, connected to his reputation. It, it's just not the same as it once was. It really is not, and so because of that, it's why I think he is. Or I really think like I'm trying. I've been thinking like what other names that could be out there on the carousel this year that that would be bigger, you know, and uh, or the best combination of accomplished coach, big name, would flip fan optimism. There's not a lot out there. I mean, there are a couple of sitting coaches that if they move that would do similar things, but uh, but I think Patino, you know, in many ways, has improved his reputation to a level that was for me unthinkable six years ago, and still unexpected for a lot of people even as recently as like two years ago. Even like when he was taking Iona to the tournament and like even hey, was getting there, it still improved all the more. So and that some of that's helped by the fact that the IRP said you're good we're not punishing you and we didn't think that you uh were at fault whatsoever in the in the final Louisville saga with uh with the FBI case
1: last one before we let you go here Matt uh, somebody much earlier in their career uh Nate Oates not a good week uh for Nate Oates uh, and I'm not in any way interested in like sportsing and trying to make light of any part of, of what happened at uh, the sort of the root of what's going on there but the how confident are you that there's sort of nothing else that will fall on anyone else down there? Because it certainly looks like a real like, eager effort to just not have to talk about this at all. Uh, we, even with more details sort of coming out, just in defense of a team that obviously they think is is pretty good. What's maybe kind of your overall read of what is happening down there? And, and is there another shoe that might drop on that?
3: Well, you're not going to get me saying I'm confident that uh, we know everything. It yeah. could wind up being the case. Uh, a reminder to your listeners that this was a preliminary hearing earlier in the week so this will actually go to trial and there's the potential that there will just be more details uh in this murder case that uh bring in Alabama basketball I don't have the timeline on when the trial will play out um it's not happening rec- next week or anything like that so this isn't uh set to uh, to be revealed anytime in the near near future but um my read on it is it's been uh it's been a terrible week for NATO's in Alabama basketball, but that still pales in comparison to the murder victim. You know, Janet Harris, in this case, a dead mother um, who had her life taken from her. and if you really read the details of how this all played out it, it will make your blood boil um, I mean it's just uh, an all too vintage American example and it's yeah. extremely disappointing that you can define it as a vintage American example of uh, American example of unnecessary gun violence frankly um, it's it's horrendous and in many ways because there were I think eleven shots that rang out mm-hmm. um, we're lucky that there wasn't another life taken um, so I say it's been it's been bad for NATO andamama it Bama. Com- it just doesn't compare to uh, her family, it just does not. There's there's a boy who's going to grow up without a mom, and it's just awful. Um, it's also been it's been a bad year for college basketball because yeah, yep. it just has like real quick on this, and then we can go. But the Chris Beard stuff, yeah, okay, everything with the Chris Beard story. New Mexico State is not playing basketball, yeah, because of many many issues. But one of them did deal with gun violence as well, uh, and now you have this, and then even like this has nothing to do with specifically. Uh, team action but michigan state's campus was affected by gun violence so there just have been many many uh, uh, things in the real world some of them avoidable um some of them unfortunately not i suppose but uh yeah it's been it's been a tough season for the sport and alabama is not it seems that the program is determined to continue on here's the problem the biggest story in sports this week, and we are going into the month of March. This will only get bigger the more Alabama plays, the more Alabama wins. If you think it's big now, I don't care if we get three weeks removed from it. When you get to those NCAA tournament press conferences, you guys know all too well. Like It just gets bigger. You can say we're not taking questions on that. doesn't stop people from asking. doesn't stop people from talking about it. doesn't stop people from, from writing about it, podcasting about it, all of it. So We will see what else is to come from Alabama's side. I wouldn't be stunned if at some point they did... Um, Decide to have a press conference for more. I would like to see that, frankly, a little bit more explanation uh, with all of this stuff, but it's been it's been a tough week all, all around, no doubt
1: about it. Matt, it's always good to talk to you, buddy. Uh, enjoy the best part of this uh, calendar year coming up here very soon, man. Appreciate it. All right, thanks, Dad. Appreciate All right, it. good stuff uh, from him. Good stuff
2: from him. Yeah, he's great, man. Matt, Matt does a, a fantastic job. And I had to take a step back for a second and, and really – think that like it it is kind of crazy to be at this point with with Rick Pitino you know like where as recently as two years ago I think there were maybe many people out there who were like yeah I think the whole Pitino episode of, of doing this all over again in college basketball really was doubtful or would not be received well and I completely agree with him in that it's probably going to be the most intriguing coaching storyline of college basketball's offseason is where he could possibly end up. Because there's simply no denying that whatever, whatever program would, if he does end up going somewhere else, like he immediately makes them better. There's no question about that.
1: All right, we always talk with our guy Elliot Mattingly from Court Physical Therapy at this time every week. Elliot, how are you, buddy? You doing all right?
4: I'm doing very well. How are you guys?
1: We are doing great. Uh, Elliot, I I wanted to just uh, talk with you about a couple things uh, really quickly. The first being we got guys who got hurt in the freaking All-Star game, uh, including Giannis And I know that I probably should have thought twice about asking you to make pronouncements about Giannis and injuries, given how well it went in the NBA Finals a couple years ago. Appreciate (laughs) that, Mark. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I have a great memory for when other people are wrong. Trust me. (laughs) But I'm I'm curious. uh, What are we dealing with here? When it's I always feel like with big men, when it's like a wrist, you know, stuff like that. Like at least they get they can stay off of it and actually give the thing a chance uh, to to heal there. But what are we dealing with here with a guy who got hurt in the game and uh, at least it's going to be out a little bit in the short term here.
4: Yeah, you know, so uh, what they're calling his injury is a wrist sprain. Uh, and once again, just to remind everybody, when somebody says a sprain, let's just, you know, lay term for a, a tear, you know, of some of the ligaments that happen are in your wrist. And now there are a ton of ligaments in your wrist. So ligaments connect your bones to each other. And so you think about all the different carpal bones you have. You have the bones between some of your, you know, your long bones and your arm and forearm and, you know, so there's a lot of different things that can be involved, which also means there's some that won't be so bad, you know? So what, how this happens is typically landing on it, you know, and and when he landed on it, the game actually before the all-star game. And then all-star game kind of just like, he felt it. And he's like, nah, I'm out. You know, not, not going to risk it. Um, and, and so we did, it's called a foosh. So a fall on an outstretched hand. And that injury is notorious for causing sprains uh, and even fractures. So, really coming out of it with just a sprain is, is pretty lucky. Uh, also the fact that he's, you know, he's not a shooter. Yeah, you know, he, he can shoot a little bit but like that's not his his go to. Uh, he is probably going to be back faster than that. You know, if, if you have a wrist sprain and every time you shoot the ball you feel discomfort, that's going to affect your game, but if you're going to just put it on the ground and take it to the rim anyways, then you'll probably be back quicker.
1: Uh, Ellen I wanted to ask since you mentioned that a fall with an outstretched hand uh, I remember watching the Manning cast for one of the Monday night games of this year and Eli making a comment about another quarterback, like a rookie, not knowing how to fall. And I was kind of curious if, if in the course of doing physical therapy with somebody or something like that, or, you know, training work, whatever it might be like, do you talk about things like that? Ways that you can avoid injuries like this or, you know, concussions and that sort of thing in, in, actually sort of gaming out how to fall down. It sounds ridiculous, but you know what I mean.
4: You know, this is probably more applicable to the rest of us besides the athletes. You know, so it is very common for us to talk about falls because it's a real-life scenario in our clinic, but it's mostly with the elderly population or, or children maybe with disabilities or um, adults with disabilities. Or You know, it, it, those are real conversations that we do have. And, you know, a lot of what we try to do is fall prevention. Um, you know, obviously in athletics and things like that, falls are going to happen. Uh, so I do think there's, you know, something about learning how to take a fall. Um you know, so I thought you know, but it's just we don't practice that in here. Uh because, you know, I don't want to do all that paperwork <laughs> of, of knocking people down all the time on the ground like I'll push people all the time, but I, I don't I don't push them to the point where they fall most of the time because they're stronger than me anyways. Uh but you know, we try to challenge their um you know, challenge their abilities to think about that a little bit, you know. Now with our older population, what we try to do is we work on prevention. We work on okay, you've fallen, how do you get up? And you know that's that's a different whole different story. But uh, we do talk about it a lot, just not to the same group you're talking about.
1: Uh, Ellie, the, the last thing I wanted to to ask you about is maybe something a little bit more long term. You know, we're we're about to we're entering into this season where some NFL teams are going to have to make choices about uh, players and franchise tags and quarterbacks and all this stuff. And you've got. Miami in a situation where when Tua is healthy and can play, he's spectacular, especially over the middle and in what they do offensively. He really was was having an excellent year, but he just gets freaking ragdolled and has had you know a very serious concussion issue. If you are him and you're Miami and you're like, hey, we, we want to make this work not just in season here, but starting like now, what are they doing? What can they do with him or with anybody to just sort of help him be more prepared to, to handle being an NFL quarterback to where concussions are not quite an issue? Is there anything at
4: all? know, that's a really good question because just think of the uh, effort that they put in this year to de- decrease concussions. Like with, remember the training camp, they had all these yeah. little helmets on and, you know, they, they, Spent so much effort to decrease concussions, but concussions were more of a story this year they were up. than I feel like they have been in the five years. You know, they were yes, they were up in the severity of them. Man, they were right in our face. Yeah. you know, we we couldn't avoid seeing Tua go down and some of the other you know really big injuries. Um, so I think there's a big question mark on that. Yeah, you know, there's all this stuff that we talk about. You know, just being hydrated and having good neck strength and all these things. Yeah, there's ways to help, but it's a pretty violent game, and if you don't have an offensive line that can protect you very well, like, you're, you're at a high risk. So um, that, if I was two, I'm like, okay, first off, I'm not sure if I'm coming back. Second off, if I do come back, what are you going to do for me up front? Like, who are you getting to protect me to try to prevent me from getting hit so often? I'll slide. I'll do what I need to do. But if, if you want me to avoid getting hit and concussion like we have before, we need some help. You know, and really, that's that's the best option I think. Because you know, it, it's once again, it's a violent game. You know, and, but if I'm into a situation, now this is easy because I'm not right. It's easy to talk this way. His life and his um, future mobility and his future, um, you know, life with his family is more important than this next season. You know, so he is at, he's probably at a really high risk for CTE already. Uh, if he goes out there and gets, you know, another one, like I mean, this really is just inevitable at this point that he would be putting himself at a really long-term risk of other health issues. So that's what he's got to think about. You know, is it is it worth me ruining, you know, the rest of my life? when I'm, You know, he's been very successful. You know, we all know he's probably got more left in the tank physically, but he's got to think of the other, you know, the other side of the table on that.
1: All right, uh, Elliot. If folks want to find out what court physical therapy and you guys can do for them, falling with an outstretched hand or whatever else it might be, where else uh, where can we yeah. go? Uh,
4: give us a call at one eight hundred six four five court. Check us out at court dot com. Uh, we'd love to help you out. All
1: right, Elliot. We'll talk to you again
2: next week, buddy. Appreciate it. Thank you all. Bye-bye. All right.
1: Good stuff uh, from him.
2: What are you smiling at? <laughs> I was just thinking about the uh, the the, set, the plug he gets in at, at the end. There is that just like burned into his brain at, at this point after saying it so many times of being on here like it's got it's got to be right. You ever just wake up in the middle of the night like, Ugh, and you just blurt it out because you're used to saying it. Uh
1: It's funny what can get like burned into your brain. Yeah. Uh,
2: at
1: at such like a an unbelievable level. My I can remember my my dad had type one diabetes. He would occasionally have very low blood sugar and you get in almost like a catatonic state. Yeah. And he could still check his insulin like without like and it would be full speed when everything else was slow like it was yeah. just subconscious it's wild i yeah. bet you he could say that no matter the what the distraction night, is yes we, yeah we can help you out waterboard <laughs> like, it doesn't matter he would spit it out there's no question he knows he knows that's the biz that's the first time i've ever heard of fall with an outstretched hand as like an issue
2: yeah I'd, i've never thought about teach these guys how to fall down he has got to have a fall down coach. He's got to be prepared for for anything when he comes on here. That's true. I I you ask him know, we, the most assinine stuff. I know some, we throw everything at that guy, and he takes it though, and he does. He, he turns it into something every single time. This,
1: we're we're five years from from a, an SEC school having a, a like a six figure
2: fall down coach. Oh yeah, absolutely. Right. Well, I mean, yeah. Saban's, Saban's gotta <laughs> saban has got to have somebody to. I said the yes, he was keep him upright. Savin, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's it's, it's fine. He's he's gonna if he's gonna keep being old and coaching. then, yeah, somebody's got to make sure he's he's good. Hey, can you can you improve Coach Saban's posture there real quick? Give him to straighten up. There you go. Oh, he's gonna fall. All right, chill out. It's fine. Would you rather be the get back coach or the fall down coach? Uh, get back coach. Same for sure. Because the consequences of the fall happening and you didn't do your one job, I know, are much more significant than if you don't and you, hold the coach you, know, you
1: would time. inevitably end up with like nick saban you know like in, a, in team meetings or whatever watching film and he's like breaking down falling yeah like what are you doing with these guys yeah you're getting ripped by nick saban for the way your guys fall down
2: i i want to be in like go back in time and go to the the conceptual meetings for the get back coach like what coaching staff was like look we gotta have somebody dedicated to this who's doing it who wants to step up and really make sure a coach doesn't blow a gasket and do something stupid out there? That'd be, a, that'd be a nice little story to do. I love the idea of a
1: coach like pitching that to his athletic director. Like, I need this. We yeah. need
2: this. Or you just, hey, strength and conditioning coach, come here. Do it here. You're the strongest guy. You're the best. You're the most fit guy on the staff. Hold him back.
1: All right, we're going to take a quick break here. We'll come back. We'll open up the phones. Hear from you guys here on The Drive on Thunderville. Be right back.